This is a podcast from Camden Community Radio. For more information and to volunteer, email info at ccradio.org. Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of Camden's Hidden Treasures. In this episode, I'm going to the legal part of Camden to learn about its Dickensian past. I'm meeting David in the Undercroft at Lincoln's Inn Fields. My name's David Lloyd and we're about to enter the Undercroft uh, of the chapel at Lincoln's Inn. You might hear in the background people passing uh, and voices because there's just been a fire alarm. And also you might hear the sounds of building work and uh, uh, aircraft flying overhead. Let's go in. So we're now in the Undercroft, and if we look upwards, we see wonderful fan vaulting, which was created by the master mason John Clark in the 1620s. The wonderful ceiling, in turn, rests on a series of squat, very solid columns, and as we look around, we can see the open air, because The cloisters and the undercroft are open on three sides. The the fan vaulting almost looks a bit like trees. Well, it's it's very typical, isn't it, of Gothic architecture because it was used extensively in medieval uh, cathedrals of a you know in the Gothic style. Mm. It is glorious, isn't it? And so peaceful as well. People are always surprised when I tell them that Camden is home to two of the inns of court. Gray's Inn, and here where we are today, Lincoln's Inn. We're surrounded by the chambers of barristers, no doubt busy preparing cases, which they'll be presenting at the High Court on the Strand, immediately to the south. The grounds of Lincoln Inn, wedged between Chancery Lane to the east and Lincoln's Inn Fields to the west, are open to the public Monday to Friday and provide an oasis from the bustle of nearby High Hoban. The name Lincoln's Inn has its origins in the 14th century, either referring to Henry de Lacy, Earl of Lincoln, or Thomas de Lincoln, who was a sergeant at law, the equivalent of a QC today. Now, I could have chosen several locations in the inn. Philip Hardwick's majestic Great Hall of the 1840s, or George Gilbert Scott's library of the 1870s, or even much earlier, the 15th century Old Hall. But I've decided to go for the undercroft of the chapel. It dates from the 1620s, and it's the work of the master mason, John Clark. Dickens refers to it in chapter three of Bleak House. We came to an odd nook in a corner And where there was an entrance up a steep, broad flight of stairs, like an entrance to a church, and there really was a churchyard outside, under some cloisters, for I saw the gravestones from the staircase window. Now the graves to which uh, Dickens alludes can be seen dotted across the flagstone floor of these cloisters. 
One such is William Prynne. In 1637, for publishing writings against Charles I's Archbishop, William Lord, and his church reforms, Prynne was sentenced to have his ears amputated, cheeks branded with SL for seditious, libel, seditious libeler, and sentenced to life in prison. And thus he became a martyr for his Puritan beliefs. The location was also a place designed to enable members to take the air on rainy days, as Samuel Pepys recorded. And lawyers would confer with their students here. But most poignantly, in the 18th century, it became a favorite place for unmarried mothers to leave their unwanted babies. Until 1750, the inn would offer five shillings per baby to anyone to take them off their hands. But after that date, the inn adopted them, gave them the surname Lincoln, and saw them apprentice to useful trades or domestic service. I like to think that the inn was putting into practice the compassionate humanitarianism of the great 17th century poet and preacher at Lincoln's Inn, John Donne, who wrote these wonderful lines that I'll end with. No man is an island, entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less, as well as if a promontory were, as well as if a manner of thy friends or thine own were. Any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind and therefore never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. If you were coming here without knowing anything, so say someone's visiting here and they are not with a guide and they're just looking around, is there something that you might point out that they might miss? There are several beautiful uh, buildings. Just round the corner is Old Hall, which was built in the second half of the 15th century before Columbus discovered the New World. Um, Thomas More uh, was uh, a member uh, of Lincoln's Inn uh, shortly after that. Um, and then the new Great Hall, I say new, it's a 19th century creation by Philip Hardwick, is uh, very close by, and then the library, um, designed by George Gilbert Scott, who's known to many Camden residents for his buildings in the borough, uh, designed the old, the old library in the 1870s. Can I ask why you chose this place specifically out of, out of the many possible places in Camden? <laughs> There's a variety of reasons. I had to um, devise a walk about Dickens. And, of course, Dickens, in his novel Bleak House, locates quite a lot of it in Lincoln's Inn. So when I was researching that, I did come across some of these lovely buildings, and I thought it appropriate uh, to, uh, to include it. Would you say this type of location... Uh, epitomizes a quality of Camden or is it very unique? I would say it is unique and what it tells you about Camden 
is the diversity of location that you get in the borough. Um, as I said earlier, uh, when I draw attention to the fact that two inns of court are located in Camden, people are surprised. But they shouldn't be because Camden is, as I said, a very diverse borough, including all sorts of people. Um, and I think this is uh, well worth visiting. And the nearest tube stations are? The nearest tube stations are Chancery Lane or Hoban. I hope you enjoyed David's introduction to the Undercroft at Lincoln's Inn. It's a great place to go, as he said, on a rainy day, but also in the height of summer. That's when we were there. It was a hot day outside and it was a lovely, shady place to stop. And despite the building work that was going on while we were there, it was still very peaceful. So I recommend it uh, both for its history and for its modern function as a bit of an oasis. David does several tours in different parts of London. So like all the other Camden guides, if you want to go on a walk with him, you can find his details on www.camdenguides.com. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy the rest of Camden's hidden treasures, which you can find wherever you found this podcast. You are listening to a podcast from Camden Community Radio. www.ccradio.org